the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. You know, is there any truth anymore? Do we, do we, do we, do we even recognize that there is truth? I mean, there's a lot of truth that we can argue about. You know, is there a God? Well, I believe there is, but it is my belief. You can't prove it. Is there not a God? You can't prove it. Well, we're, you know, we're living in a multiverse. No, maybe not. Prove it. You can't. So there's some things that we can argue about, but we can never prove. And we all have to stop pretending that we know the answer because we don't. We know the answer that we're comfortable with. But there are some things that the truth matters. And we are now living in a postmodern world that teaches us there is no truth. There is no truth. It's your truth. You know, one, one man's terrorist is, a, is another man's freedom fighter. Well, I think Israel, the, Israel was wrong in this. Well, no, we can, we can take the facts of a situation and, and we can look at where is the poison coming from? But nobody's going to give you an objective truth on that. There's no right or wrong anymore. In, in Ireland, they are now trying to ban abortions. And so what happens? Well, YouTube has decided to ban all pro-life videos for this leading up to this vote in Ireland. So if you have a pro-choice point of view, it's too dangerous. It's too dangerous. It's, it's, it's not right. It's, it's, it's against their policies now. I'm sure they'll solve this until the, you know, once the election is over. In the meantime, on YouTube, there is a new channel that, that is showing parents talking to their children about gender. Listen. So if a person with a wiener says, hey, I'm a girl. What is that person? A girl. A boy. A female. <laughs> Behold, gender identity. <laughs> when you went to kindergarten, you mm. went by she, her. Yeah. And you wore dresses, and some people said. They wanted me to, to be a different gender. They, they didn't want you to be a girl? No, people were being mean. No one date them. Now you're they them. People should call you your actual gender. They them, she her, he him, or none. Myself, I identify as trans non-binary. So the surgery that I'm going to have, all of this is going to be gone. How do you feel about that? Mm. Still, I still have mixed feelings still about mixed that. Still mixed feelings. How many genders are there? Infinity? <laughs> what? <laughs> Is this confusing? Mm-hmm. Yes. Very. Mm-hmm. Now there's infinity genders. Infinity. There's only, there's only your truth. There is no truth. X and Y chromosome. Remember, a Chinese dress on a white girl in high school or an Indian character on a cartoon show 
or a Vietnamese sandwich at a college cafeteria, a sombrero, a headdress, a kimono, a poncho. My culture is not your prom dress. Does anybody notice that this is all becoming a laughingstock? This is all this is going to be remembered in history as the moment the world went insane. The hunt began with trace amounts of legitimacy, with outrage at understandably offensive things. But then it just kind of spiraled into an ever-growing list of offensives. So, so numerous were these offenses, and so minor that they had to create a term for them. They called them microaggressions. And now the entire world is a microaggression doesn't matter you get up in the morning you are performing a microaggression on somebody the atlantic has just published a 1900 word examination of the concept of cultural appropriation which lies at the heart of all of these identity politics in the pc culture in other words it is the ultimate microaggression one startling revelation, the Chinese dress that the woman wore as her prom dress in what has become a firestorm of political correctness, that dress, in fact, was co-opted from European culture. Yes, it was culturally appropriated. The article is titled, Every, Cultural, uh, Every Culture Appropriates, and it examines many examples of the so-called cultural appropriation throughout history. The conclusion is potent, quoting, The policemen of cultural appropriation don't think that way. They have a morality tale to tell. One Western victimization of non-Western peoples, a victimization so extreme that it is triggered by a Western's girl purchase of a Chinese dress designed precisely so that Chinese girls could live more like Western girls. But in order to tell the story, the policemen of cultural appropriation must crush and deform much of the truth of cultural history. And in the process, demean and, 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 and make baby talk. And make babies out of the people they supposedly champion. Amid the cries of appropriation, there is an utter brilliance at play. At least there was. By accusing people of using power to intimidate less powerful people, they become empowered. That is the idea, right? And that's brilliant. However, it's beginning now to act out Fox the rule makers. Because, because the web of violations and aggressions and offensives have grown so thick and so many vine that it has assumed the, the very people who contrived it in the first place, the people who came up with it, the people who were teaching it, are now starting to fall into their own trap. The culture police who have devoted their entire lives to exposing the injustices have themselves become the insensitive and ignorant bullies that they supposedly pursued. It's mind-numbing. The behavior, incredibly sharp and massively intelligent, their world, of course, finds its basis in theories. A life of abstractions, there is no black and white. This is a revolution. It's combative. It's oozing with rancor. And now those are the followers 
who have just followed the lead of professors who most often, especially in the humanities, sell all of these ideas as facts. But there are no facts. What we have learned is there's tremendous power in accusations of racism and privilege. And with these accusations, they become powerful. And what makes the approach so effective, so immune to any other argument, is the philosophical basis of postmodernism, relativism, when it's all fused together, you have nothing but a group of ideas that disagree with themselves. And if you argue those ideas that are in conflict with one another, you would be laughed away if it wasn't for the foundational premise that there is no objective truth, only your truth. Saul Alinsky, he wrote on the subject of relativism, he said, I'm not concerned if this faith in people is regarded as a prime truth and therefore a contradiction of what I've already written. For life is a story of contradictions. Yes, it is. It is a story of contradictions, Mr. Alinsky. But the world doesn't live in chaos and the world doesn't like chaos and people can't live in chaos. Contradictions do exist, no doubt. But there are they're, they're like tangled wires. And at some point, nothing works, and you have to track that wire all the way back to find out if it's even plugged in. If you can untangle the wires, people will untangle them because it will make life easier, safer, more understandable. The left doesn't see it, they have become the authority. The power structure, the bullies, they've taken control. To them, their voices deserve to be the loudest, and no one with opinions contrary to theirs deserves to be speaking at all. Except there is a new politics that is forming. The intellectual dark web. The mass exodus of people from the left, people who have always considered themselves liberal but can no longer suffer through the hysteria of the left with their NPR tote bags all caked in soot and their ball caps, you know, logoed with the New Yorker. They feel homeless and they feel bereft. These expats need a place to go. Well, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, yearning to breathe free. Invite them in. Their faces hang dark and disbelieving, slack and expressionless. Come in. Come in. Grab a seat. You've got to be exhausted. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network.